This podcast contains general health information and shouldn't be relied on as medical advice. For health concerns, speak to your doctor. HCF doesn't endorse any statements or opinions made during the podcast. If the podcast makes you feel depressed or anxious and you need to talk to someone straight away, call Lifeline on 131114. Hi, and welcome to a new season of Navigating Parenthood podcast, brought to you by HCF, Australia's largest not-for-profit health fund. I'm Jessica Rowe, and I'm thrilled to say I'm going to be your host for this season. There is no such thing as being a perfect parent, so why do we put so much pressure on ourselves to have it all together all of the time? Do you sometimes feel like you have to cook perfect meals, be perfectly patient, strike the perfect balance between work and life and make perfect rules for screen time? And when things don't go to plan, we're expected to manage the breakup perfectly and to co-parent in perfect unison, all the while comparing ourselves to other parents who post their seemingly picture-perfect lives all over social media. Every day brings a new challenge in the life of a parent. While you try to smile to work around it, there are times when you just can't keep your cool, when you think you're failing, when work is too much. If this sounds familiar, you are not alone. It's why this season's podcast is a call to all the imperfect parents out there, and I am one of them. As a parent to two girls, one is a teenager, the other is 11, I need all of the help I can get. We're going to hear the stories from fellow imperfect parents, plus we're also going to talk to Lydia Black, a parenting psychologist from Psych2U, to help navigate some of the trickier topics. To kick things off, we're meeting a mum who'll talk about that juggle of work and parenting. She's been running her own successful PR company for many years. Megan, it is so lovely to see you. You too, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Where are you at with your family? Tell us about your kids and and your husband, who you employ. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Okay, so we're a busy family of five. Um, Husband Jared has worked at the agency for the past eight years. We have three children. So that is busy. You've got a lot on your plate. How do you find the differences with your kids and managing their different personalities? Um, Probably the hardest part of um, our job actually is um, understanding their differences, helping them all get along and appreciate each other and making them all feel valued um, as they are. So my eldest actually um, said to me the other day, the issue you have, mum, is that you've had three children with very different personalities and you probably should have thought about that. Don't you love the honesty of kids? They were fighting and revving each other up and I had words with them and basically it's my fault because I should have planned it a little bit better. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I have my eldest who's um likes to understand what's expected. He likes structure. He likes routine and he's quite anxious, doesn't like chaos. There are little things that I've learnt along the way. Um, Jared and I parent quite differently and that has been, that's a, a whole nother um, conversation, I think, of how, how we go along with that. But um. Jared has a little bit of OCD in terms of how he restacks the dishwasher when I stuck it. What? I burn rissoles, I can't cook Jess. So I think you and I have very similar kitchen traits. You're a woman after uh, my own heart, Megan. I just vegan. think, get it done, there's lots to do, let's not fuss about it. Life's It'll too be fine, short, right? really, isn't it? My whole thing is you do you and let them do them. If they make an effort, I'm okay with that. I'll just say thank you so much for helping. Next time maybe you could put it this way. So I'm starting to teach them how to, you know, cook a little bit and making my life easier. Have you always been like that? I've always been like it. So when the eldest was born um, and so I started doing freelance work, but I used to work and I'm multitasking constantly. So do I have time to be, you know, running around making everything perfect? No, I just get it done. Lots of mess, but I just think that children learn through play and exploring and coming around after them, cleaning up, telling them they're doing things wrong isn't very helpful. With my first, I was very fussy about getting him into a routine at nap time and what clothes he wore and everything. And then when um, I really wanted Jared to spend, you know, to be really engaged and he's a really engaged father um, and I found myself saying, oh, my God, why would you dress him in that? Those That outfit's awful or, you know, he has to go for a nap now or... And then someone gave me the advice that you need to let the husbands and fathers do it their way. And if you're constantly telling them what they're doing wrong, they'll give up. So I try, I am, um, I say to Jared, I'm a control freak. And he said, no, you're not. You're a need to know person. <laughs> He's very kind in that way. Um, and I do lead our business and, and a lot of um, things that we do, but he's a great partner in terms of we talk about it, we support each other, we will argue, um, but we always come to an agreement. Going back to when you said you began your PR company when mm. your eldest was three months old, Yes. were there moments when you were thinking, oh my goodness, I've bitten off more than I can chew because anyone with a newborn, that sleep deprivation, that exhaustion, that sort of fog that you can have to then be building a business at the same time, that is a massive thing to be doing. Well, I think it was probably bigger for um, baby two and three. So at that point, um, we couldn't afford to live on one salary for too long. Um, and I knew I had waited a long time to fall pregnant. Um, I was in my, you know, mid early 30s, I would say. Um, and I just didn't want to go back to full-time work and put him in childcare. That was my choice. Um, and I knew that I could freelance in PR. So uh, I put the feelers out and the opportunity came up when he was only two months old and it was life-changing. It really was. Um, and my mum would catch the train in to help me out one day a week. I had to do Trezillion because my baby had no routine and cried a lot. So when he slept, I worked. And it was only one client, so it wasn't a business at the point, and it was just so that we could bring in that extra bit of money um, to help pay our mortgage, and I had thought that that's all I would do then. So my husband would be the main breadwinner, and I, if I just brought in a little bit of play money and raise our children, perfect. And it's great. It's been amazing. It's been um, 12 years now and eight years with Jared working with the business as my co-director. <laughs> <laughs> He's not my employee, but kind of. 
<laughs> I love it. Your we face joke about it. We joke lights about up it. when you talk about it. What is that like then, employing your husband? So when I got busier and busier and Jared was commuting and doing 18-hour days, when we had the second one, Jared said, can I come and work for you? And I said, no, because you'll surf every day. Absolutely not. I had a nice little life. He'd go off to work and I'd potter along and look after my babies. But then when we were pregnant with um, Isla, the third, he was getting home late, putting the kids to bed and working um, was tough. And then I said, okay, you can, but I'm not going to be the breadwinner with you being the part-time worker raising the kids. I have set up, I've always had a plan. So I have a plan. I have a five-year plan. I'm one of those people. Um, And my plan was never to have to work through all the babies. I understand I need to. However, um, you need to work. I'll teach you the work. You can work full time and I'm still doing the parenting. So I was still a part-time worker and I still am. I don't work full time. I have never done because I like to be with the kids as well. The sort of things that you're raising is something that goes through so many of our heads as mums that we want to be present. We want to be around for our babies. But at the same time, we also need that stimulation of work, that sense of identity apart from work and and recognising that actually some of it can be a little bit boring as well when it, it comes to being, especially with little kids, all the time. And you know what I love the most about all of it is the the breaking of stereotypes that we're teaching our children. So my husband washes and blow dries his daughter's hair. Um, my kids know that it's mummy's business and my clients, but then they know that daddy works in the business and then, you know, he's in charge at times. And Of course they see it. And, and I, I remember early on I used to, I still worry, but yeah. when my girls were little I used to think, oh, I've got to be doing this and telling them this and showing them this. And then someone had said to me, your kids are such sponges and they will learn from watching what you do. So essentially, Megan, you are such a great role model for your kids because they're watching what you do. They're watching you run your own business, work, do all these things. So they're learning about what it actually means to exist in this modern world. Mm. And I say to them, like yesterday, I took Isla for a surf at 4pm. We knocked off at 4 yesterday. But we still had two hours in the sun. Today, Jared will take them in the middle of the day. But they know that we have that flexibility, but there are days that we don't. You know, I think I've missed a couple of carnivals, not a lot, where I had events or shoots on and then all of a sudden school says, oh, the carnival's on. But they got used to that as well. The first time I didn't go to one, it was, you know, um, the end of the world, but they got used to it and Jared went. And so I explained to them once again that, you know, a lot of the time the mums are going, the dads don't. So this time daddy's going, you've got somebody there cheering you on, you know. And that leads me, I guess, to another point that when child was five, we were having explosive behaviour and we were questioning our parenting. We were thinking he was a brat, um, lots of tantrums. Lots and it's of imp- exhausting, isn't and it? And we still do. And like, you feel out of control because you think, out of I'm control. a grown-up and why can't I either control or make my child behave in this I'm, particular way? I'm it's I'm awful. I'm super easygoing. I can pick up and go anywhere. And this child was just battle after battle. And still, I spoke to you recently, you know, he's 12 and we still and we're working with him on it. And so we went to a psychologist um with him at five to say, right, can you give us some parenting 
or is there something wrong with this child? Does he have any behavioural issues? Can you give us some parenting advice? And we all had a session with the man that day and then the um, psychologist and then he sent Finn out of the room and he had to wait. And he said, the issue is your parenting, not the child. And I was like, you're kidding. We're amazing. Look how lovely we are. He said, and and this is something I've taken and I still remember, um, learning to manage emotions is like learning to drive a car. It doesn't come naturally. So you have to keep working on it. And we have to teach a child to manage their emotions and you do it with the circle of love. So, so I've always been celebrated. So my dad who passed away last year, um, I was the centre of his world. He came to every match, cheered me on, supported me, even when I had made really bad decisions, which I did a lot of around the age of 15. I was never judged or told that I wasn't good enough and I was constantly celebrated. So then when I started dating, I um, felt quite... Um, I guess, um, disappointed with the men that weren't putting me on a pedestal the way my father did until I met Jared. And Jared celebrates me. Even when I say I'm, I mean, of course I annoy him and we argue, but um, going back to that, that the the psychologist said between the ages of six and nine is where the child um, learns their circle of love and learns, starts the, the process of learning to manage their emotion. And so you have to celebrate them and let them know that they're enough and that even though their behaviour is not great at this point, that there's another way that we can respond. Give them that circle of love. Call the emotion. Right now, you know, you're feeling jealous of your sibling. It's completely okay to feel jealous, but the way in which we need to manage that emotion is. So instead of putting them in time out and scalding them, we started doing that with Finn and it changed. And the other thing the psychologist said was that children need your time, and it's usually only 10 minutes actually. So a lot of people say, how do you play with them and work? And my children don't get me (laughs) 24-7. No one does. (laughs) Right? But they do get half an hour with me. What do you want to do right now? You know, um, whether we're at the beach, bike riding, talking, they're showing me something, I will sit with them and do that with them. But then I've got to go and work now. So I can play with you again later, but right now I have to go and do X, Y, and Z, and they start to understand it. And you're being, listening to you, Megan, very clear about what you need to do. So the kids understand, well, okay, I'm doing this now, and then I've got to go and do the work. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can, because I time block, you see. So I know when I get up at six that I have to exercise by 8.30, then I can be at my desk at nine. Have there, though, been times when you've just thought, I don't know what I'm doing. This is too much. I can't do this. Last year I had my son in hospital for a month and dad was dying of cancer as well. And there were times where I thought if I was employed by someone, I could take sick leave now and just be at the bedside of these people. That was horrendous. And there are times like that that I feel resentful that I'm in charge and I have all of these pressures and clients and, and whatnot. But I have to say um, mostly I just I just stop and breathe. I've learned to just stop and breathe. You can't get everything done in that day. So for me... If I've done some exercise and it could just be a walk, um, if my benches are clean, my beds are made, everything in the world is good because then I can go on about my day and, as I say, I just put a little list. What I have to get done today is X. And you know what? If it's, you know, the kids are being challenging and when they were little it was harder, um, you just do what You've got to sort them out first and then you can go back to the other stuff. But I think the time blocking and being organised really helps. Mind you, if things don't go to plan, I don't have a hissy fit. I'm fine. You just go with the flow and you move on. But um, 
No, I don't think I've ever felt overwhelmed because I ask for help. So I will see a psychologist. I'll talk to, like, for the children and our parenting. I read a lot. Um, Because there is really no such thing, is there, as the work-life balance. I I think it's nonsense. And having it all as well, it's nonsense. So you have to make a choice, right? Everything is about choices. You make a choice. What's important to you? What works for your family? For me, I think the ideal is working part-time whether it's for yourself or somebody else, because then you can balance. But some people can't afford to or their career, you know, means that they have to do the nine to six. Um, The beauty of COVID has meant that people are getting a little bit more flexibility in the workplace. Um, My team have certainly smashed it um, and I won't be asking them to come back to the office unless they want to. You know, listening to you, Megan, talk about how you organise things, you change things, you shift things, I hope you take some time for you? Do you take a moment for yourself to actually go, you know what, I'm doing a good job here. I am good enough. You know, we we want our kids to think that they're enough. I hope you do that for you. Do you? I do. I'm really proud of myself. Um, I know that that probably sounds, um, you know, a little bit confident or, or whatever, but I'm really proud of myself. It hasn't been easy. We have a lot of challenges and we still do. Um, Last year, I started seeing a psychologist because I had massive health anxiety. Um, I think going to the cancer centre with dad all the time and being as stressed as I am um, and the age I'm at as well. And I had a breast lump two years ago, which was fine in the end. It just was a bit dodgy. So that came out. So all of that and the anxiety of running 100 mile an hour really started to get to me. And I saw a a psychologist about my health anxiety. And so what I do is I walk or exercise and sometimes now I think it's okay if I don't get it done. It is important to surround yourself with people, I think, who lift you up, who make you feel good about who you are and aren't negative ninjas. I I think of those people who suck your energy and you leave thinking, oh, my goodness. But also who support you. So I've got some beautiful friends around me. And so when I have a second, I will support them back. The other thing that um, the big piece of advice that my mum gave me that her mother, my grandmother gave to her, was, um, which I'd love to share, I shared with a client the other day who's just had her new baby, um, is you set your children up first and everything else falls into place. So an example of this is when you go and visit friends, a lot of people just will all go to a play date at a park. Most people seem to just walk in and say hi to their friends and expect the children to run along and play. And then they get upset that the children are crying or hanging off their leg or won't. Um, so what mum taught me is, and what I have done myself now as well, is that whenever I go anywhere new, first of all, I show the kids where the bathrooms are. I introduce them to the people in the room, um, particularly if there are children they don't know, um, get them something to eat if it's a party or they want food. And then once they're settled, then I go and sit down and talk to who I want to talk to. And it's made life so much easier. And it just settles everybody. So I've always done that with my kids. I don't just walk them in and get on with my day. I always introduce them like they're my friend. I wouldn't walk you into a room and not introduce you, would I? You wouldn't. I'd make sure that you, would you like a drink? Would you like a cup of tea? (laughs) I do all of that now and my kids are happy. Mm, And then you're happy. What what I want to touch on now is what about when it comes to, I suppose, Mm. caring for your kids' mental health or, or your husband's sort of mental load as well? Um, it's all about having time out and doing things that we enjoy. And so Jared surfs and mountain bikes. So he, if he's feeling stressed and overwhelmed, I'll say to him, you know what, why don't you go for a surf, go for a ride, go for a fish. I think it's the same with all of us. If we just have quiet 
and time on our own to do what makes us feel happy and bring joy. Um, it helps. Um, sharing is really important. I share with my husband and my friends a lot when I'm feeling down. I'm an open book um, and I think that helps a lot, having that support. And I encourage my children to do so as well. The eldest is the one that has had to have the most support when it comes to mental health, knowing that he's okay. Um, and we have a wonderful paediatrician and I went and saw him. He said, if you can just manage your emotion and work on it, it's a learned skill. Spend as much time trying to understand your emotions as well as understanding that it's okay to feel a certain way. Um, by the time you're 30, you'll be a lot better off than most people. That it's a, it's a, it's a lifelong craft. And what about for you though? Because Megan, you are you are very organised. Yes, as you say, you do your lists. You 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 know block out certain times of the day yes. for with the kids, for work, for things you need to do. But are there moments when you really feel like the wheels have come off? I can't do today, or I just want to stay in bed, or or this is all too much. I do have moments where it's too much, and you know, and when that happens, to be honest, like Jared's so good that he'll like once again last year through the death of Dad was the worst year of my life, and there were days that I just was like, it's too. And and Louis was sick with um in hospital as well. It was too much, and Jared would take the kids out, and I would lay there, and I'd cry, and he or he would say, um, "Mummy's just going to go and have a lay down." Um, leave mummy alone and he'll do the dinner. And I think it's really having a support person. I'm very lucky that I'm surrounded by a lot of love and support. So I've never felt alone. Um, Was and that I think, hard though, that feeling? Because I know for me, when I think about when I went through my postnatal depression mm. and I was someone who always was very goal-driven, I felt capable, I knew what I needed to do. Mm. But then when I realised... I was depressed and I was unwell, it was so hard for me to reconcile what was happening within to how I thought I should be or how I'd led my life up until that point. I, For me, I just decided that it was all too much and I had to take the pressure off. If the sun's shining and I want to go run down the beach and dive in the ocean, I will. And once upon a time, I wouldn't have done that. So that's where I've changed. Um, I don't take things on anymore. I've I've let go of so many clients last year that were difficult to work with and I'm okay with that. So while I sound like, you know, I'm goal-orientated and everything, my goal has shifted and I'm reaching my late 40s now and what's important to me is very different to what was important to me in my 30s. So I don't want the big house anymore. What I want is the time to spend with my daughter swimming in the ocean. I love my work. I love kicking goals um, and that won't change actually. But I don't want my children to get to 15 and me to say I was too busy to be with them. And and as you say too, what you're doing now. Having them is having it all actually. Of course it is. To be and, honest. And where you're at now is right for you and your family. Yes. As you said, you're leaning in hard now for your family, but you're also leaning in to work as well. But there'll be times when that that shift it changes, doesn't changes. it? Changes. And I'm I'm um I'm super important because if I don't if I'm not okay, then there's so many people that rely on me, um, and I'm lucky that I have a husband that that appreciates that, and I do for him. Megan, it is so <laughs> wonderful 
to talk oh, with thank you. you. Thank you for telling us about your family, your life, and how you get through this crazy thing that we call parenting. Oh, I we just try. Think we you're just fabulous. try day by day. Well, we do our best, and that's what I love about you. Oh. You're just a dynamo. Thank you, oh, Megan. Thank you, Jess. Thank you. Now it's time to welcome Lydia Black, a psychologist from telehealth service Psych2U and season expert. She's here to guide us through these tricky parenting situations and to help us make sure we look after our own mental health along the parenting journey. Lydia, I'm so looking forward to getting some fabulous bits of advice and tidbits from you about how to make this slightly easier. What I'd like to start with is I know I put too much pressure on myself as a parent. I am getting better at not putting so much pressure, but how can we get away from that idea of having to be perfect, having to do it the right way? Let's embrace our imperfection. Hi, Jess. Nice to be here. Um, I, I totally agree. I think that, you know, as parents, we are often bombarded by the message that we need to be doing it a certain way. And of course, there's so many different ways that we're told to do it, to be it. And there's no way we can measure up to all of those different bits of advice. And so, you know, if we are trying very hard to be the perfect parent, it's, it, it's impossible. It's just not a thing. There is no such thing as a perfect parent and there is no right way There's this wonderful quote that I actually have framed at home, and it was from a psychologist. Basically, it's along the lines of the only normal people are the ones you don't know very well. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And, you know, you actually remind me of a, there's a a bit of a, uh, an approach in, in parenting um, strategies, which is in particular for infant and perinatal psychology. Um, But I feel like this is something that can be used across the board and it's the concept of good enough parenting. Good enough parenting is an actual therapeutic approach when we're dealing with new mums and that's because there's so much pressure, as you say, to be perfect, to get things right. And so often mums have had a life before baby and before parenting. And in that life, of course, they've had some achievements. And, you know, whether it's a university degree or a high-flying job or just being really good at something, and then a child comes into the picture. And it's certainly not the way we do it anymore. Everything changes. So good enough parenting is about being able to do enough that keeps everybody happy, safe, comfortable, well-fed, but definitely not a perfect version of that. I adore that idea because it's something that I feel really strongly about, that sense of I am enough. I don't have to be perfect. I am enough. But why is it you think that we tie ourselves in knots to not actually accept that? I think it depends, you know. For some of us it's to do with how we've been parented. We've been given the message by others around us that we need to do things a certain way and we need to do it the right way. Of course, when we go to school as children and adolescents, you know, everybody's meant to get things right. When we go to uni, you're meant to get things right. When we get into our jobs, you've got to do it the right way. And so why not when it comes to parenting? Perhaps we've got this idea in our head we have to do it the right way. There is no right way because we're humans and all humans need different things at different times and there's different ways to do these parenting 
um, essentials. Megan spoke a lot about how you do what is right for your family, which I think is such a good point because often we can get caught up in, well, so-and-so's doing it like this and it works for this person and that family. It's that idea of, well, what is right for us? And for Megan, she is good at organising. She does things sort of in lists and she finds that that helps keep her feel like, yes, everything's on track. Is it okay, though, sometimes not to be quite so organised? I hope so, because I'm certainly not organised. I think it's really important that, as you said before, we do what works for us, you know, to be true to yourself and to figure out, okay, is this working for me? And what I like to talk about when I'm working with with parents is, is values. And what I mean by that is what matters to you most? What do you value when it comes to being a parent? What also seems to, I think, come up a lot when you talk about the things that we're managing, juggling as parents is is the mental load, that sort of notion that as a parent, I think especially as a mum, we're responsible to keep everyone else happy. We've got to keep the show on the road, keep everyone else happy. How can we, in a way, I suppose, lower our own expectations and take that pressure off ourselves to say, actually, it's not about you keeping everyone else happy? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it's it's definitely, as you say, about, about what you are expecting of yourself. So I think lowering the, the bar to a certain degree is really important. And that's, that's what we were talking about before, working out what works for you, what works for your family. And then when it comes to sort of carrying the mental load for everybody else, you know, I don't think we're doing our kids any favours or our partners any favours for that matter if we are carrying the mental load. I think it's about modelling to our children and our partners, as mums in particular, but this could be for dads as well, that we're a team. We're in this together. So let's support each other. And so this comes back to communication. This comes back to, you know, having, having a way of sharing the load. And that might be a calendar on the fridge. That might be a list of things that need to get done to get broken up amongst the family if we're talking about practical tasks. Of course, as a mum and often as dads too, we feel the need to keep everybody together and to keep everybody happy and to a degree, yeah, well, you know what, that is part of being a parent. But it's okay sometimes to say, well, I need time for me, I need to step away from this and you guys can support each other. But generally I think communicating your needs and sharing the load where you can, taking time for yourself where you can. What about often I think what can happen with if you feel like you're carrying most of that mental load, it is easy to feel resentful. I know there have been times when I've felt resentful about certain things. How can you manage that so it doesn't then turn into this, oh, always this sense of obligation that you feel and then you become negative about things? Well, I think there's a couple of things about that. I think the first thing is try not to be a martyr. We're good at that though. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that comes back to that whole, you know, the perfect parenting idea. And, and I think we can be our own worst enemies, parents. And I think to be really mindful of that, are you, are you saying yes to too much? Learn to say no. Learn to put some boundaries in place. Um, and, and, you know, perhaps chat to other people around you to sort of get a bit of a gauge about that, you know, maybe your partner, maybe a, another, you know, a grandparent. 
try and figure out, you know, where is that boundary? Where, where should I be saying no? Is it, is it reasonable that, you know, I'm, I'm available all the time? Um, or, or, or is it somebody else's turn? I think the other thing about that is that negativity is normal too. It is going, you know, you are going to be negative from time to time. You are going to find yourself caught up in those what we call negative emotions. I don't like to call them negative emotions because, you know, all emotions are normal and if we are sort of labelling them as good or bad or negative or positive, then sometimes that can create, create a bit of a cycle where we get a bit stuck. So I think the most important thing is to recognise that if you're feeling a bit resentful, if you're feeling a bit down, that's okay, that's normal. Try not to get bogged down in that and try and recognise that that's a place that's kind of unhelpful and that maybe then you could put some things in place to help yourself move forward and get back to being the parent that you would like to be. Is there a sort of simple way of doing that? Sometimes everything can get on top of you and you feel overwhelmed and that sort of martyrdom or that sense of, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that and this and this for everyone can almost overtake you. Is there a quick way that you can sort of go short circuit it and move on to something else to be more positive? I think the answer to that is to come back to checking in with what matters most to you and your family. So cutting out all the extra stuff trying to lower the bar and come back to the things that matter the most, as in the activities that matter the most, the, the, the you know, whether you're running your kids around to 10 things during the week, could you scale it back to two? Um, you know, lowering the bar in terms of the expectations around the house, how many things you schedule in your week, those kinds of things I think is really important to make sure that you're putting your time and energy into the things that matter most. And if that's quality time playing board games on a Friday night, make that what you do on a Friday night instead of saying yes to five other things that, that send everyone into a frantic spin. Um, and, and obviously this is different for different families. So figuring out, maybe even sitting down as a family and, and, and working out, okay, what matters most to us? What do we care about? What does Jimmy care about? What does Sally care about? What do I care about? And where can we find a happy medium in the middle somewhere? That notion of getting together and communicating is such a good one. Lydia, thank you so much for all of that advice. Thanks, Jess. That's it for this episode of the new series of Navigating Parenthood in Perfect Parents. All the episodes are available now on your favourite podcast platform. It's a series filled with great people and their stories of parenting, the challenges and joys along the way. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate and review. It also helps others find the podcast. We're also adding more information and useful links at hcf.com.au forward slash podcast. Remember, if you're feeling depressed or anxious and need to talk to someone now, call Lifeline on 131114. There's always help out there. Head to Reach Out Parents at parents.au.reachout.com or find excellent help with HCF's partner, Psych2U, an online telehealth psychological service for HCF members and all Australians at psych2u.com.au. 
And if you need help managing your children's big feelings, HCF's partner, Calm Kids Central, is an online educational resource for kids aged 4 to 11 that includes courses, videos and animations to help your kids act bravely and manage tough life situations at calmkidcentral.com. I'm Jessica Rowe. Thanks for listening.